Welcome to the Potter's House podcast. We pray that this week's message encourages you. If you'd like to learn more about the Potter's House, you can visit pottershouse.org. I have some things in my heart that I'm looking forward to just sort of, I told Bishop and, and Pastor over here that I just felt like I had the privilege today of shutting in with God and God filled me up and tonight he's just going to pour me out, if that's okay. I don't have notes. I don't have PowerPoint. I did that for years. But today, uh, I just felt like the Lord said, no, that, that's not for tonight. Do, do you know he's in charge? Yeah. Do you know it's not about wind-up preachers that just uh, have their little shtick, you know, where that you just sort of have a wind-up thing on your back and you come out and you do your thing and you call it good. But Jesus said, I will build, say it with me, my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I love, love, love the whole Old Field family. Can we give them a hand? We love you so much. And this, this worship tonight, I, I don't know about you, but during the whole COVID thing when we weren't able to come together, you know, I, I'd watch services online but I'll be honest with you, as a preacher, I'm saying this. I, I could get the preaching online, I got that, but I missed the worship experience of being with God's children. And I missed hugging. I, I don't know about you, I'm a hugger. And, and I, I miss that. I mean, it's like people like, no, 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 six feet, six feet, no, 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 no. You know, it's like, uh, and I hug everybody I can now. It is such a joy to be with you. Am, am I allowed to bring this down there? Is that okay? I, I just, I, I preach better down there than I do up here, and you all want that. I want to talk to you tonight about something that is just really the Lord's laid upon my heart. I told, I, I told Bishop that this is not a typical guest message, but that matters little to me because I've been at this a while, and I've, I've learned that obedience is, is really the key. I, I, if you have your Bible, as I mentioned, I don't have PowerPoint tonight, but turn to Psalm 55. I'm, I'm a guy who loves the Psalms. I read a Psalm and a Proverb every day. And so, I, I'm, every morning, my Jesus time, which I love, that's my favorite time of the day. It's just Jesus and me meeting. And I find that's where I find my strength. That's where I find my joy. That's where I find the intimacy. I, see, you need to know something. I, I'm not a fan of religion. I, I met Jesus in what was called the Jesus People Movement. I met Jesus in 1970 thinking I was going to a rock concert. A guy by the name of Phil Kagey was playing guitar there. I didn't know who Phil Kagey was, but somebody said, well, Jimi Hendrix said about Phil Kagey, and now that was the depth of my spirituality was like Purple Haze and Hey Joe, you know. And, and so I went to that meeting, and for the first time in my life, I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, up to that point, I thought I was a pretty good person. I thought that, you know, I, I didn't really go to church. First time in church, I was 14 years old. Um, there was this little girl from Orangeville, Ohio, called Kathy Gordon. She was a cheerleader. I was a basketball player. And she invited me to church, and it was the uh, uh, first church of the Frigidaire. You may have heard of it. Uh, pastor's name was Jack Frost. And, and it was just dead. 
It was just like, I, I believe there was a God. I believe there was a creator. I'd never been in church. I'd never read the Bible, but I believe there was a God and I knew he had to be better than that. I'm not trying to be ugly or critical. It's just that they had God in a, seemingly they thought in a nice, neat box. And, and, and so I, I found an excuse really to not go to church from that point with her. But that night as a 19-year-old, I met Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I, you know, I, I sat back and see, see, some of you were raised in church and you know how to do the stuff. That's what they call it, the stuff, okay? And, and so, but I, I'm, I'm not a churchgoer. And so at the age of 19, when the gospel was preached, I'm sitting way in the back of the gymnasium where I played basketball, where I danced to the Beach Boys singing Surfer Girl with my girlfriend. By the way, that girl is my wife now. And we be, this January, we'll be married 50 years. And can I tell you, we started liking each other way back then, and we still like each other. In fact, we like each other more than we've ever liked each other. And, and so I sat in the back of that gymnasium, and I remember the preacher preached the gospel, and I found out I was a lost sinner. I needed a Savior, and, and the Holy Spirit was dealing with me. But I sat back there in, 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 the, in this big, well, it seemed like a big gym. It was a small gym. And, and, and then he had us all bow our head, and, and he said, if you want to meet this Jesus, to slip your hand up, can I tell you that inside of me, there was this battle going on. I'd never, I, never before had I been in a meeting like this, and I finally, and I went, and I thought that was it. Honest to God. Some of you are like experienced. You say, oh, no, that's step one. I didn't know it was step one. And that was hard. That was, that you, some of you, that see, that was hard. My best buddy was sitting next to me. I had two other friends that showed up, and they're standing like, like the doors over there looking in. And, and I was backward and shy, my hands in the air. And then he said this, now we want to see who really meant it. If you really meant that, I want you to stand to your feet and come forward. I want to pray with you. And I thought, you've got to be kidding I, I, I can't go in front of all these people, but I did. I was born again that night, and, and so much has happened since then. But, but of all things, tonight I'm going to talk to you about some of those times that as a Christian are hard. You say, well, yeah, oh, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't do that on Wednesday night. It's first Wednesday. You don't do that. Well, I, I want to talk to you tonight about have you ever felt like giving up? Because see, I'm 12 months, these last 12 months of my life and my wife's life have been the hardest 12 months we've ever lived. You say, oh, don't say that, preacher, preacher, you don't say that. You, 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 you know, you might discourage somebody. Well, it's the truth. And the last time I checked, he's still the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, David was a man, you may know about this, who was a man after God's own heart. He's not a rookie. He's not a baby Christian. He's, he's not this struggling uh, little nobody. This is David in the lineage of Christ, the great king that all the other kings got compared to, but he's going through a hard time. And in Psalm 55, he says this in verse 1, Give ear to my prayer, O God. 
And do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I'm restless in my complaint and moan noisily because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they bring down trouble upon me in and in wrath. They hate me. My heart is severely pained within me and the terrors of death have fallen upon me Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me and horror has overwhelmed me. And look at verse 6. Have you ever felt like this? And so I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I indeed, I would wander off and remain in the wilderness. Selah. Chew on this for a while. And he said, I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Have you ever been there? I'm not being negative. I'm not being pessimistic. If anything, I'm being prophetic. If you've never been there, I, I would wish to God you never were, but you will be. You say, how, how do you know that? Well, because the Bible says very clearly that our faith is going to be tested like silver and gold is tried in the fire. And honey, silver and gold being tried in the fire, if silver and gold had feelings, would be screaming out in pain. You say, well, I thought he was a loving God. Oh, he's a loving God. In fact, can I tell you, you will never know how loving and wonderful and beautiful and merciful and gracious and generous and kind he is. Until nobody understands but him. Oh, I thank God for my family. I thank God for my friends, my brothers, my sisters in Christ. But mark my word, if you live long enough on this planet as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are going to go through some times that your best friend doesn't understand, your closest relative doesn't understand, not because they are not nice, but because you're going through a time the Bible calls where that he is the lily of the valley. Oh, that I had wings like a dove that I what? Flit around church? and impress everybody? Oh, no, 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 no. We do enough of that. In fact, one of my great convictions is that one of our failures as the church at large is we paint a picture of Christianity that is not biblical. We, we paint a picture that, that God forbid you're going through a hard time. Stay home. Don't, don't show up at church. Because you, you, you just may get judged because you're not smiling just right. You're, you're, not, you're not gyrating just right. You're not doing this right or that right. So you stay home. Or you, you come to church and you, you fake it. Because after a while, you know how to carry your Bible. You know how to shout. You know how to do it all. And it gets dangerous. Because he wants our heart. He doesn't want our show. He doesn't want our, our playing church. He, he wants you, authentically you, warts and all, all your flaws, all your mess-ups. And we're afraid that, well, if we become that authentic, 
then, then the world will not want what we have. No, just the opposite. Because everything in the Bible indicates that the choice servants of God, choice servants, David is not a nobody. Your faith and my faith compared with the faith of David, no thank you. God never said of you or me that we're, after, we're the man or woman after God's heart, but he said it about David. But David, David came to a place where he said, oh, this stinks. That's not the King James Version, but this is hard. Oh, that I had wings like a dove. Not that I can flit around church, but that I can escape. Have you ever felt like escaping? No, not running from God, not deserting God, but just going through a time so hard, so difficult. Your sleep is robbed. You can't seem to wrap your head around what you're going through. Within these Psalms, just turn a few pages with me and look at Psalm 61. Psalm 61 in verse 2 says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Oh, we we don't want to admit that we're ever overwhelmed. My God, there are some believers, do you dare not mention that you're having a hard time? They're either going to think you have a demon or they're going, to, they're going to tell you you don't have enough faith. You need to quote this scripture five times and, and do three shouts and a somersault and it'll all go away. But it's not biblical. I'm talking tonight about have you ever felt like giving up? Go to Psalm 42 with me, would you? I'm just going to lay out a few psalms here on the front end and then I want to share a few other thoughts with you. It is such a delight to be here. I can't tell you. We love Potter's House. Uh, anybody connected with me up at Victory, a whole lot of them have been here. My son Joel, with that smile, I love you. And, and so this, this is an incredible place. And I'm a guest and, and if I was younger, I just want to preach the message that would get you to shout and get you to really like the message and dance in the aisle a little bit. But I'm too old for that. No, I'm not too old to dance. I'm not too old to shout. But I'm too old to, to really care. No offense. What do you think of me? I don't give a rip. I really don't. But when you're, when you, it's often when you're young, you want to get the shout, you want to get the excitement, get everybody worked up, glory to God. This is good. The older you get, you want to help people on their worst day. You, you, you really, you know, they're going to do okay on their best day. They don't hardly need you on their best day, but on their worst day. David had worse days. I've had this last 12 months, the hardest year of my life. That was, I, I wouldn't have chosen 
Me being a 68-year-old man starting into this and now being 69, it's like, no, 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 not, not that 12 months. Maybe when I'm younger. But, but not now. Can I tell you, you don't get to choose. And, and your story is going to be different than somebody else's. So even comparing notes really doesn't work. It's like if, you have, if your back hurts and you tell somebody, oh, that's nothing, let me tell you about my back. And God forbid you have a car wreck, they had a worse one. Hey, did you ever notice that? I don't, I don't know if that happens everywhere, but sure happens in the church. One of my favorite statements is, do not compare, do not compete, do not criticize. I say it every day. We compare too much. We're always comparing each other. Do not compete. What, who are we in competition with? And don't criticize. Just shut up. I, I said that one time, well, I said that a lot at church in the years I pastored. I had a woman write me a note. I'm teaching my child to not say that. And you're up front saying, shut up. I sent her a letter back and told her to shut up. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I, I, I wanted to. I, re, I, I, got, I got counsel from Bishop, and he said, go ahead and do it. <laughs> Psalm 42, verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. That, that's not a prayer. He's not talking to God. He's talking to himself. Do you realize we all talk to ourselves? I talk to myself out loud. It's fun. I mean, if somebody else is around, they say, he's crazy. I don't care. It's another cool thing about getting older. You don't care. All kinds of stuff when you're younger, you really cared. I don't care. I, I mean, not in a bad way. I just, it doesn't matter. You know, opinions are like belly buttons. Everybody has one. Why so downcast what? Oh, my soul. Well, we don't want to admit that. We, we, God forbid that we are real enough and authentic enough. Listen, it's not a lack of faith. In this same psalm, in verse 11, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Sometimes when I talk to myself, Sometimes I have great conversations, and sometimes they're weird. I have times where every once in a while, it doesn't happen often, but I'll fall into self-pity. I know you never have, but I have. It doesn't make sense. I'm a blessed man. I'm a saved man. I'm all, all of these blessings, but I'll, I'll sort of fall into that and just get sort of down in the dumps. And you know what I do? Some, some of you that know me know what I'm going to say. I honestly do this. And I'm going to warn you up front. 
little disclaimer. Do this at home. Most disclaimers are don't do this at home. Do this at home. Don't do this at the mall. In fact, if you're going to do this at home, make sure there's nobody else around. Make sure the dog's in the other room. Because here's what sometimes what I have to do, Joel. I've got to get alone. And I look in the mirror. At me, I reach back here and grab my collar. A good one. And I say, stop it. Stop it now. Enough is enough. Get off it. And then I begin to quote scripture. You say to who? Who are you talking to? Me. Why so downcast what? Oh, my soul. First time I ever felt like giving up. That I remember. I was a freshman in high school. And I was a basketball player. I played more baseball than basketball, but I, I was a basketball player. And as a freshman at my school, if you wanted to go out for basketball, you had to run cross country. I wasn't a runner. I was a basketball player. But you had to do cross country. So, okay, cross country. I don't know how many of you ran cross country, but it is uh, invented in hell <laughs> by a demon especially when you're a freshman in high school. Well, you know, but then I'm thinking, okay, if I've got to do this, I want to get a letter. I'm a freshman. I went to Badger High School. I want one of those Bs. I want the school jacket. I want a B on it. If I'm going to do this, and so I'm in my first, first meet. And I'm doing, not doing bad. And I found out if you came in the first, I can't remember how many places you had a letter. So I'm running, and I'm, I'm, I'm like counting the guys, and I'm like, I'm going to get a letter, I'm going to get a letter. And then I'm about 85% through this race. It was between two or three miles at a place called Farmer Jim's, and my sides, oh, I, I, I didn't know Jesus yet. I didn't know how to pray. I, may, I hate to say it, I may have been saying his name, but not in the right way. I'm just being honest. I'm being raw. Some of you never cursed in your life. God bless your little hearts. But, but you know, I didn't know Jesus. And, and, and man, it was hurting. They were splitting. And, and now all of a sudden, I don't care about the letter. What's a letter? Get a letter out of here. I want to quit. I want to die. That's enough. This is not right. I am a freshman in high school, and this is child abuse. Right at that time when I felt like giving up, a friend of mine by the name of Mark DeBack, I still remember his name, he wasn't in that race, and he caught eyes with me, and he began to call my name. And he called me Dave back then, I went by Dave, and he said, come on, Dave, you can do it, you can do it, go, go, go. Can I tell you? Up until that time, I did not know or understand encouragement. I did not know or understand getting a second wind. But just one person looking me in the eyes, calling me by name, telling me don't quit, telling me you can make it. Suddenly, I got that second wind, and I got my B on my jacket. Can I tell you, we all need that kind of voice in our life, don't we, Joel? We need, if, if we need anything. See, if you've never been through a hard time, you don't even know how to identify with somebody in their difficult time. Yeah. 
Jesus himself went through every temptation known to man. Why? So that he could feel and understand what we go through. And yet so often as Christians, we want to play the game of going through the motions. And God forbid anybody would know we're having a tough time. Noah had a tough time. Do you remember Mr. Noah? Heard from God. Built the ark. Yay, Noah. Noah, Noah, he's our man if he can't do it. No one can. Told you my wife's a cheerleader. She still, every morning when I wake up, she said, David, David, he's my man. If he can't do it, nobody can. I said, yeah, baby. Hey, I'm not that old. Come on now. But Noah, after all that great victory, hearing from God, obeying God, you know the story. Back on land now. And he gets drunk as a skunk. And if that's not bad enough, he's drunk and naked. No, that's not bad enough. He's drunk, naked, and really old. Oh, come on. Some of you are like, what do you mean by that? Oh, picture it if you may. You won't... Uh, you know the story. That's not good. You might, if you're taking notes, write that down. It is not good to be drunk, naked, and stupid. But take a note on it. You say, wait a minute, that's Noah. Yeah, Noah. He heard from God, obeyed God, but he blew it. He recovered, thank God. But do you, do you think that was his best day? No. What about, what about Joseph? Uh, did Joseph have a rough day? Oh, please. He never asked to be his father's favorite son. He never asked for the coat of many colors. But he has breakfast with dad one morning. His dad says, hey, why don't you go see how your brothers are doing? He obeys dad. He had already had a couple dreams. He was young. He was a teenager. So I've heard preachers say, well, he should have known better than sharing those dreams. He's a kid. How'd you do at 17, bozo? I, I mean, come on. We, we, we get so judgmental. He's 17. He shared the stories. But, but he, he's going out there to see how his brothers are doing, and you know the rest. They sell him off into slavery. He's now in Egypt. He doesn't speak the language, doesn't know the culture. He's, he's a slave. But he keeps his eyes on God. He keeps obedience. But how does it go for him? Well, he gets, it's like he gets exalted and he gets knocked back down. He gets exalted. He gets knocked back down. He gets exalted. He gets knocked. Get, get, listen. Sometimes that's the way life can be. I'm not being negative or pessimistic. I'm being real. If you paint a picture of Christianity that it's just one smooth line going straight up, you, you're not reading the same Bible I'm reading. Our master said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. Hard times, difficult times. But he said, but be of good cheer. 
Why? For I've overcome the world. But he didn't say, but if you have enough faith, it'll never happen. No, he didn't. And, and, and you know, that there's Joseph trying to do good. Keeps cutting his... And then, you know the story, Mrs. Potiphar. Good old Mrs. Potiphar. She gets his eyes on him. He still does the right thing, but can I, can I just throw in here, I won't charge you for this, let me just throw this in. We often think, here's Joseph, he's been in prison, all these smelly guys, and here's Mrs. Potiphar. And we, we picture Mrs. Potiphar as this foxy lady. I told you I like Jimi Hendrix, okay? So what if Mrs. Potiphar looked like her name sounded. I'm just saying. I, I still give Joseph standing ovation for running, but maybe it was not all that hard to run from Mrs. Potiphar. I'm just saying, I'm being real. We've never seen a picture of Mrs. Potiphar. But, but here's the thing. What, what if in one of the... And, and then, he, then he interprets the dream. Remember the baker and the butler and the candlestick maker and all of that? He interprets the dream and the guy's life is going to be saved. Do you remember what the guy says? All that Joseph asked of him is when you get exalted, when you're back with the king, oh, remember me. That's, what is that, two words? Remember me. That's not that hard. Two years. The guy gets his life saved. Two years later, he goes, oh, yeah. I, I knew this guy. Here's what I want to ask you. If we could have snuck up to Joseph during one of those difficult times and said, now, Joseph, you're... You're the one that, you're the coat of many colors, right? Yeah. You're, you're true dreams that came from God. Yeah. How's this working for you? If you're honest. Because, see, we read the end of the story. And we say, well, Joseph knew. No, we, no, Joseph didn't know. All that Joseph knew is he was trying his best to be obedient but life was pretty stinky time after time after time. And if we could have somehow gotten into Joseph and interviewed him, he would have said, this stinks. I don't get it. I love God. He's given me dreams, but I don't get it. What, 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 what about David? What about David, the man that that God calls and the prophet pours oil over him and he's going to be the next king of Israel. Well, that went smooth as silk, didn't it? Church, listen, I'm just trying to, can I stand on this? That I'm just trying to be real with you because we too often, we paint a picture that's just going to be smooth as silk. Glory to God, if I speak in tongues enough and fast enough, this is all going to just work out. And when it doesn't, as quickly as we thought it would, we fall apart at the scenes. David. <laughs> from the time David gets anointed, from the time he kills Goliath. Do you remember when he's running from Saul? Saul, the man he wanted as a spiritual father. 
and he's running from him, and, and he's hiding in the wilderness. Do you remember that time? It cracks me up. David and his guys are in the wilderness, in the thicket, hiding in a cave. And who comes in? King Saul. What's he doing? Yeah, that's right. King Saul comes in. Listen, listen I, now, some of you, you think, oh, yeah, this is just... There's more than one cave in that area. How does King Saul have to go poo-poo in the very cave? Yeah, even kings poo-poo. You say, well, how do you know that it was poo-poo? See, listen, I'm old enough. When I was in first grade the first time, they really liked me, and they held on to me. They said, we're going to keep you one more grade. You're not failing. You're just being held back. And so, when I was in first grade the first time, this is the honest God truth, when you raised your hand because you had to go to the bathroom, you had to show the teacher and the whole class if you were going number one or number two. I'm not making this up. Hartford Elementary School, I guess it was based on how long it would take you. So if you really want to be out of a class, you did one and two. But how do we know it was because David was in the recesses of that cave. Like this, with his guys. And his guys say, who is it? It's King Saul. Wow. What's he doing? You don't want to know. David cut off a part of his robe. That's how we know that the king was poo-poo. Because the king, oh, never mind. But here's the deal. David had run from his life from King Saul and from so many He had this promise of being king. He was anointed by the prophet at the age of about 17. It was 13 stinking years. When you're 17, 13 years is almost a lifetime. And see, we read the Bible and we say, well, he knew knew it was going to happen. I'm not sure. I'm sure there were times where David thought, I I, I believe that Samuel was a prophet. But this doesn't feel right. This hurts. This is difficult. This is challenging. He felt like giving up. If you don't believe that, you don't read the same Psalms I read. He felt like quitting. Do you remember? He's obeying God. He's out winning battles. And he comes back to Ziklag where his family was, remember that? And so he and his, his chosen men, David's mighty men of valor, they're coming back to Ziklag from winning a battle, and they see smoke in the horizon. And they go faster. And they've just come from a battle, but they go faster. They get there. You know the story. The enemy has come in. They burned everything. They took all the men, all the women, all the children. Didn't kill them, but took them. And here's what the Bible says. The very mighty men of valor that were losers, 
When they met David, they, they were depressed, they were despondent, they were in debt. And David, as a leader and a man after God's own heart, had discipled them. And they're now David's mighty men of valor. They loved him, listen. But they wanted to kill him. They got together, because listen, when things go bad, it is human nature to blame somebody. And often, if you're the key leader, you're going to get blamed when things go bad. And the Bible says that they, they were consulting to kill him. But here's what the Bible says in that chapter. I believe it's the 30th chapter of, of 1 Samuel, if I remember right. But it says, but David strengthened himself in his God. Church, I'm here to tell you tonight, there are times when life is hard, even as a Christ follower, even as a man or woman of faith, and it's okay. Because see, he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the author and the finisher. But listen to me, please. But it's during those tough times, those dry times, those difficult times, those challenging times where you feel like giving up, where you can come into an intimacy with God because nobody understands. Everybody you try to talk to, it's not that they're mean. It's not that they don't care. It's just because God, sovereign God, sovereign Father, says, honey, I've got you in a place right now that you need to get my heart. And, and it's not that they don't care. It's not that they're not concerned. Don't get mad at them. Draw closer to me. See, it's, it's wonderful. I'm a guy that loves God completely, loves people unconditionally, and loves life enthusiastically. That's who I am. If I had a tattoo, that, that's what it would say. I don't have one. Let me end tonight with one of the most famous of all of these. Everyone I'm talking to you about, listen, these are the superstars. These are not the weak Christians. These are, these are not the ones, well, you just need to pray more. You just need to fast more. You just need to get a grip. You need to memorize these three scriptures, rebuke the devil and hocus pocus, it'll all be okay. No, these are, these are the superstars. Going to end tonight with Elijah. Wow. You know the story. Talk about a superstar. I mean, he's seen miracles. He's miracle after miracle. And then he has this, this time in the 18th chapter of 1 Kings where it's, it's he up against these hundreds of prophets of Baal. And, and you know, God sends fire from heaven and boom, the sacrifice. And ah, all the prophets are killed. And it's a great day. If you've ever been to Mount Carmel, it's one of the most beautiful places on earth. It really is. I mean, this is the greatest day in Elijah's life. And then Jezebel threatens him. She says, by this time tomorrow, you're dead. And he runs for his life. 
Now, he not only runs for his life, and I could talk to you about how far he ran, how exhausted he was, etc. But he runs for his life, and he lays underneath a broom tree, juniper tree. And he lays under there, and he wishes to die. He says, it's enough. Can't take it. I'm no better than my relatives who are dead. Take my life. Now, he did not really want to die. Jezebel had already volunteered to do that. He didn't want to die. But he was so drained spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally drained. In leadership, we call it the Elijah syndrome. How many pastors after a great building program go through a divorce, leave their church, some even backslide? You say, oh, no, 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 no. See, no, I'm telling you the truth. Sometimes after your greatest victory, you're so drained because as the Bible says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He felt like dying. God, it's interesting that God sent an angel and gave him two things. Nourishment, some water, and some rest. You, you know, sometimes we make everything spiritual. And I, I learned years ago that as I would meet with someone that was going through what they thought was a spiritual battle, I learned from a mentor of mine, Dr. Richard Dobbins, to ask the question, when's the last time you had a physical? You say, oh, that's not very spiritual. And how are you sleeping? Oh, that's not very spiritual. Yes, it is. Because we are wonderfully and fearfully made and not every issue is spiritual. Elijah stood in a cave and God asked him a question. He said, what are you doing here? You know the story. And there was all of these great things, man. There was an earthquake and man, that was awesome. But God wasn't in it. There was this wind, listen, that ripped stones open. That's some wind. But God wasn't in the wind. Then there was a still, small voice, a whisper, just a whisper. And, and it's interesting, the Bible doesn't say it was God because it's evident it was. We want the colossal. Give me something big, something amazing, and that'll be God. Well, earthquakes that are instant like that, fires, and winds ripping up stones. Wow. You know, I wonder if sometime we don't have the discernment to understand the difference between adrenaline and anointing. between that which impresses people and that which touches God's heart. Tonight, church, as we close, can, can we all stand? I, I'm going to ask something, and we're not going to take long with this. It's 828. 
But can I ask something of you? Number one, can I ask you, be real, be authentic. You, you are quite amazing as you are. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to impress people. Just be you. You're, you are the only you on this planet. There's already one of those others that you're trying to be like. Be you. You say, but you don't know me. I don't need to know you. I know the God who created you. Be authentic. Be real. And, and have enough close friends that when you're really struggling, that you can just let your hair down with and say, and they won't judge you. They, they won't just make it some lickety split, just do this and that. See, the Bible says, weep with those who weep. And rejoice with those who rejoice. Be, be real. But second of all, if you're going through right now just a challenging time, can you, real quick, don't be backward, don't be ashamed. I'm not going to ask you what it is. I just want you to come up. I, I just want to speak a word directly to you. So if, if you're just going through one of those times where, ah, yeah, right now, right now is one of those times where I'm not going to give up, but I feel like it. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. And thanks to those of you who give so generously to make things like this possible. You can click the link in the description or go to pottershouse.org for more details and to see the exciting things happening here at the church and how you can get involved. We encourage you to share this week's message with your friends and family. We look forward to seeing you next week.